Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back down to the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Rick Shields. I'm here with producer Guy, a married man now. Yes. Congratulations, Guy. Thank you very much. This episode is a bonus extra break 75 episode. Treat. A little treat for everybody Mm. listening. Everybody that's in the clubhouse, everybody that follows on the Facebook page. uh, I feel like we just want to get back into the swing of things, start recording some new podcasts. We've had some great ones in the past few weeks. Tubes and Ange was a really successful one. Yeah. Minwoo Lee, fantastic podcast, considering that was his first ever podcast. Next week, we'll be back to normal service every single Tuesday. Make sure you check it out on Apple, Spotify. Also, do check out the full version if you want to watch it on the second channel. Can I do a little bit of housekeeping first off, though? Love you too. This is something that really, really, really annoys me. So obviously, I was away on honeymoon last week. Very nice. We had to stay UK-based due to all the COVID rules, which is fair enough. Went to Cornwall, and it was really nice. Weather was awesome. But there was one thing that ruined it for me, Rick. Can I guess? Go on. Apple Podcast. Apple Podcast borderline ruined my honeymoon <laughs> because and some people listen to this who don't listen to apple you're fine don't worry about it if you're a spotify listener amazon youtube you're good you, you are cruising down the freeway to a one-way ticket to podcastville oh yeah like you're that. fine yeah aircon on window down a little bit tunes blasting sunglasses you're chilling just give some sympathy for those apple podcast listeners if you're an apple podcast listener and not every listener which is borderline more annoying some probably 50 percent of, of apple podcast listeners are thinking what are these guys talking about it's there for me every tuesday morning fine they're almost on the toll road they're just chilling as well aren't they they are not cruising worry. away but ironically the roads in cornwall are very similar to the experience that some apple podcasts are having in tight windy can't fit two cars. You have to awkwardly pull over into a little horrible lay-by and worry about you scratching your car. Bumpy. Bumpy, stressful, you get too hot, even though the windows are down, irk on your armpits are sweating. Just really horrible experience. Because there's been a problem with one of the latest Apple iOS software updates where, for some reason, not just our podcast, but loads of podcasts aren't refreshing. So you'll go on a Tuesday looking for the new podcast. It's not there. Wednesday, it's not there. It might turn up randomly on a Thursday. This week's took one week for it to come onto mine. Ridiculous. So if you are an Apple podcast listener and you're having this issue, you're not alone. It's not just our podcast. There's others. And I'm hoping that um, there'll be a software update very soon that re- will uh, resolve it. I even Googled it and ended up on an Apple forum. And there's loads of people having the same issue with all sorts of podcasts. So, yeah, I just want to get out of the way. As a backup for people listening, 
if you are having that issue, might be worth downloading Spotify. Yes. It's still free to da- to listen to on Spotify. And as I mentioned, you can now watch and listen to the whole episode every single week on the second channel, the Rich Hills Golf Show YouTube channel. Well, I had a bit of telling off, actually, because people can now watch us and not just listen to us. A lot of people were commenting on how much I was messing with the mic. My hands are purposely not going to touch it today. Have you been in it as well? Yeah. I think you were worse, but yeah, I caught myself doing it. You know what it is? We've got these new microphone stands and I watched some other podcasts on YouTube and I saw loads of the podcast people like messing with it. And I thought, what is it they're doing? I'm doing it as we speak. What is it? And it's basically like little spinny things that tighten the mic and they're perfectly tight, don't need tightening. But it's like when you're talking, it's quite therapeutic. So today, hands are on the table, firmly away from the mic. And if anyone sees me do it again, feel free to comment and slag me off till the cows come home. Yes. Break 75. Yes. Well, let's let's almost kind of summarise it at the moment. Okay. So far, we have done 11 episodes. Yeah. The 12th one is coming next week. Now, that was always the plan. We wanted to do 12 episodes, going around different golf courses here in the UK. And the premise is very simple. Can I shoot 75? We wanted to put a really cool video together. Harry, who's been doing all of the Break 75 edits, has done an amazing job. So big shout out to Harry. Matt's been helping with the filming as well as Harry filming at all the Break 75s. You've been on every single one. Yes. You've played in three. Three. Um, We've had um, other fantastic guests. We've played some amazing golf courses. Some that I've done very well at. Mm -hmm. Some that I've comfortably broke 75. Some historic golf courses, such as St. Andrews, where I broke 75. Played amazing at King's Barnes. Uh, Sometimes I've had a few shockers. Mm -hmm. St. Anzold Links which was really tough. The weather conditions weren't in my favour and I just got a bit unlucky and had a terrible round. And then JCB, the monster off the back tees. That was also a real kick in the teeth. Well, just briefly on 75, I know we've, we've mentioned this before in one of the podcasts, but we came up with this idea and it was actually mid-January. I've got an email here when we chatted about it with the, with the lads of how we saw the whole thing looking. And it was really for two reasons. It was firstly to get out playing more golf. Because although, again, a lot of people think that you play golf a lot, you actually don't. You hit a lot of golf balls in certain situations, but you don't play that much golf. This is the most golf I've played in a stretch of 12 weeks. Probably ever. Yeah, it will be. A different golf course is playing properly with a scorecard. So that was the first thing. And then we also wanted to try and make these videos a bit different. Because obviously, kind of traditional golf course vlogs have been on YouTube now since years. And as a lot of people like them, they're kind of long form, there's, there's dialogue, there's banter, there's chat, etc. But we wanted to try and keep that in it a little bit and obviously keep them fun. We'll get all 18 holes in, every single shot, show off the golf courses, show off some of the guests and make it kind of quite bingeable. Yeah. Because now there's 11, as you said, there will be 12 very soon. People have been loving them every week and we've seen people seeing they set alarms at four o'clock every week in the UK or whatever to watch them. But also we want people to find this in two years time and just watch four in a night or three in a night. And I think from the reception, that, that's that been the case. People have really enjoyed them, haven't they? Yeah, I think the reception has been incredible, to be honest, because we've had fun with the edits as well. We've experimented with different birdie things. Birdie sauce. Birdie sauce, the infamous birdie sauce now. The things like the when I had that mad par run through K- uh, King's Barnes with like the Mario effects and things like that. The shot traces that we've had, but we've experimented with different ones. The music, the cutting, the rewinding, the, the, the stats that go through it all. The length of the videos as well, like yes. that was something we really wanted to to nail down. We wanted to people to watch it, enjoy every single second of it, right till the last put drops, 
and are gutted that it's over. Mm. Like they can't wait for the next episode. And I feel like we've done a really good job of that as well. I think what I like about it is obviously, you know, you've built up this massive audience and we're really fortunate to have a huge audience. And we always try and make great videos. And sometimes we make videos that do well like in terms of views very well. But you look at them and think, other people could do that video. We might have had the best idea or whatever. But with these, I do think, like, without being kind of, well, I am being biased and stuff, but I, I do think these do stand out as being some of the best videos on, on YouTube in yeah. terms of, like, the videography, yes, but also just, just everything about them. I'm, I am really happy with the kind of product, if you like. And yeah. the good news is there's one more left. Yes, next Friday. there's possibly more. We might just sprinkle a little bit of secret salt and just tell people uh, what the plans we've got. Yeah, so the, the, again, the original idea was 12 episodes, and that's what we're going to stick to. The first season, are we calling it a season or series? Season's very American, yeah. series is more English, so let's I'll let you se- choose. Let's go series. Okay. So series one, 12 episodes, that's going to be finishing soon. That is it for 2021 Break 75. But as Guy mentioned, we've got a couple of ideas, little sneaky extra Break 75 episodes that will be coming in the next few weeks slash months. And then it stops. And then it potentially starts again for season two next year, mm-hmm. series two next year. Should we give any little sprinkles on one of what those ideas is or not? One of the ideas is a twist on a previous very, very successful series I've done in the past as well. Yes. So that's all I'm going to say at the moment. Okay. Um, I feel like the golf courses we've played, some have been really challenging. Mm-hmm. Some have been kind of somewhat easier, ones that I've maybe known a bit more. Uh, the ones that I've found more challenging are the ones that I've never played ever before, to be honest. Barking's Barns. So which would you say was the hardest then? Hardest for a number of reasons. One, because I've never played it before. Two, because of the length. Three, because of the experience and almost in the... I was in awe of the place, was what you and me played at JCB. Yes, that was solid. That was the hardest one. Even though the weather wasn't that hard that day, it could have been harder. It was long. It was super long. It was... And I don't think you were playing your best either. So it sounds, this, it sounds so obvious. But if you go to a golf course and don't play well, it's obviously a lot harder. Yeah, you're going to get punished. Burtdale was tough as well. Yeah. And if you were... You hit it quite well around Burtdale, but if you were spraying it around there, you would have shot a million. So... Yeah. It's often how hard the golf course is, obviously, but also how well you play at said golf course, of course. makes a big difference. What my favourite course? What my favourite course so far? I need to get it up on YouTube so I don't forget any. My favourite course that I've played so far in the series, I would possibly say, Kings Barnes, the most stunning. And you played well. Does that have it? Does that change things though? When you play well at a golf course, you like it more. It does, but I'd also say maybe second or third best golf course I played at was JCB. So then, no, it, it yeah, doesn't, played, because played I, I, I still remember what the golf course is about. For me, Kings Barnes, it was the company, it was the golf course, it was the scenery, it's how I played. It was the whole experience, being up in Scotland, the, the home of golf we'd played. We had a really special day the day before, playing obviously the old we course did. with your family. We had a really nice meal that night. Next day, we went and played Kings Barnes, very relaxed atmosphere. I wasn't the best golfer in the group by a long way, which is great. <laughs> you were the fourth best. I was the fourth best. <laughs> we also had some really exciting things the next day. So we did mm. the St. Andrews in reverse video. Which will be out now. Now, yeah. Yeah, so that'll be out, which was mega. So I had that coming up. And I also knew that I had the break 75 at St. Andrews the next day. So I was just in golf mode mm. away from the family. That helped. Yes. A bit more chilled, a bit more relaxed. Didn't have to do a school run or whatever in the morning. That definitely helps. Um... So that's probably my, my most stunning one. You know what was my 
Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Surprise? Sur- yes, it's a surprise golf course was Stockport. I thought Stockport was, because it's quite local, very local to us. It's probably 20 minutes, half an hour away. And weirdly for us, when we go filming, when we're at a golf course that is close to home, it doesn't feel like as much a day out, obviously. Like when we went to Celtic Man, it was like a three-hour trip there, three-hour trip back. It felt like a proper day out. And obviously, you know, when we went to St Andrews as well, it goes without saying. But Stockport was like, we got there in the early in the morning and it would be decent, but that really impressed me, that golf course. Yeah, it was really it was nice. Good. Definitely really a hidden well gem. Ma- manicured. It was obviously a beautiful day and it wasn't supposed to be a beautiful day. I played with Hannah, who was great on the video, great company as well. So it was like, it was a really nice blend of everything really. And I played, we played some solid golf as well. And then one thing we're going to come on to, and not just yet, but later on in the podcast, is you have now got a handicap. I, I have now got an actual handicap. So you're 14. <laughs> we, I'm going to be a deadly partner in the doubles next year with someone. <laughs> you will be. Um, no, but we're going to come on to that in a minute. But then I think first off, one of the things you said was obviously you're going to play more golf, which you've clearly done. I think I've learned a lot about your golf game, and I think you've probably obviously learned loads. I think one of the things that I've, well, how do I word it? I think because you get a lot of obviously club sent to try and stuff, obviously to review, it's quite easy to put a new club in the bag and just think, oh, I'll put a new club in the bag for the sake of it. And I think a lot of people would do the same, and I've done it before. We've put stuff in the bag for no reason other than it's a new club, why not? It's shiny. Yeah, exactly. But then when you've got a scorecard in your hand, which you don't do very often until recently, and I don't do very often, and you get onto hole 16 with a good score going, and you're hitting a three-wood, do you want that shiny new three-wood, or do you want that one that you know and you trust? Yeah. And I think, although you have swapped clubs throughout this series, for certain reasons, again, we'll come on to, I think it's really shown to me, and I'm sure to you, that actually how important it is to use stuff that you actually trust. And that's been a big thing. For, I feel like I've learned about my equipment much mm. more. Yeah. I've learned about what I like a lot more, actually playing golf. You know, yes, this driver might go further. This driver might be better looking. This dri- but actually stood there with a driver that gives you confidence that actually you can stand there and go, okay, this driver's going to help me. Yeah. This driver, it might not go the longest in the world, but I know I can hit it pretty far still, but it's going to go down there. Well, that's it, because GC quad, as we know, and driving ranges are so different to the golf course. And if I give you a super low spinning Titleist TS4 now and the GC quad, you might hit one that is longer. I think you actually did when you tried yeah, yeah, it out, I the did. longest shot of the year, 300 and however many yards long. And that would be one in 10. And it yeah. is easy to delete those nine and go, look at that, and maybe even you know tell someone about it, whatever it might be. Or if you went for a driver fitting yourself as a, as a you know an amateur golfer or something, someone listening, you know, I tried out the tailor-made whatever and I got one that went 300 yards. What did the rest of them do? And like... When you get on the golf course, obviously, I know people know this, but certainly some of these golf courses, like your JCBs, your, your um, Burtdales, obviously, massively, with the rough is so long, hitting the fairway is so important, and you need to have products in the bag that you can hit well. And, and the trust, and that you, you can stand there and go, I know this is going to help me in some yep. capacity. I did that with the putters as well through the series. I've had three putters through the series, but again, I've I've settled on a putter that I like the look of. It gives me confidence. It makes me feel good. Um, even the development, the, the the happy accident that happened where I snapped my two iron at JCB yeah. and ended up putting a three iron in the bag. That's been game changing for me. I really do think that because I've now got a much better gap in my three wood. I'm hitting outrageously more often. And you're ripping it. I know. And I, and I love it again. 
and I shied away from using it because it was almost redundant a little bit in my bag because of my two iron. And then because I didn't use it very often, I didn't have much trust or faith yeah. in it. But now I've got three iron, which sits in a lot nicer. I pull my three three wood out way more. And the more I've hit it, the more I've become confident with it. And, I, and I'm loving that. That was a big change. Because also as well, I felt when you had two iron, four iron, there was quite a lot of holes where you need a three iron. Yeah. And you either try and smash a four iron, which doesn't often work very well, or go easy on a two iron, which again yeah. is, is a hard shot to play. So that was a good addition. Swapping your driver as well was a slight tweak, but I think that was a big, a good change. I stole yours at Scotland. Why did you, I can't remember, why did you use mine? I played the day before at St, at St. Andrews yeah. with the LS Tech, yeah. and it was so hard, the conditions. Yeah. And I just I just thought that morning, I don't really, I'm not quite with it with my driver. You I might just, gain five yards occasionally, but you're going to miss more fairways. I just felt like going around Kings Barnes that Saturday after playing the really tough conditions in the St. Andrews with you, which to a lot of people again watching, we never filmed, we didn't film that video. So no. there's no, there's no, nobody saw, saw that. That was just a nice little kind of um, relaxing round of golf that we had. But my driver, my driver had lost confidence because of probably the conditions were so mm-hmm. hard. So because Guy wasn't playing the next day and he's got the max in the, in his driver, the G425 Max. I was like, let me just borrow your driver head. And I loved it. And ever yeah. since, I put my own one in, my own bag, and loved it ever since. I don't think you lose anything. You might literally lose four yards if you smash them both, yeah. four or five yards. It's nothing, is it? It's nothing. And the only thing, it's a little bit louder, or it feels louder. Yeah, but I don't it think it, it, it does feel like it's louder. But it's not like a horrendous noise. And I think once you got used to that after, which you did after a few holes, that was a, that was a really good change. Um, Anything else that you changed? I can't remember. That's that was it. it. Put I, want, a... I want to ask a question. Go on. If you were to rank my sections of golf game in order of best to worst, would you be able to do that? Yes. Okay. What's what's the best part of my game? I would say your best part of the game is has been driving. Yeah. I would. Would you agree? I would agree. I think you've been pretty long. Yeah. You've been straight. My misses Ish. haven't been that bad. No. And I think compared to possibly last year, year before, when you did play any golf or when we played or you were even just reviewing a driver, your misses aren't as bad. You are, you, you still got a left one in the locker yeah, yeah. occasionally, which you probably always will have, which is, you know, fine. But you could have some horrendous lefts. I think that's been ironed out massively, so that's been really good. There was a couple of rounds. Celtic Manor, I drove the ball outrageously good. Yeah. Kings Barnes, I drove it outrageously good. You did. And the rest of them are just okay. I never feel like I've had a bad driving day. So that's top. Yeah, I think so. I think your irons have been pretty solid. Yeah. I'd say they're probably in in at number two. Yeah. When, when I stand up to a par three, I never feel like I'm not going to hit the green. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't really matter what length iron it is either. It'd be, it would actually be quite interesting. I'm probably not as geeky on this, but maybe somebody listening could be really geeky and go Stat through it all out. Like proper stuff proper dive into that would be interesting because what we might be saying now might end up being yeah. wrong but that's how it feels when you're there in the situation i mean maybe we could look into that but it's it's a lot i mean all the evidence is there if somebody wants to go through it all and 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 do all the st- strokes gained and that all would this be class. i don't really understand strokes gained massively i'll be honest but it would be really interesting to find out i think you put in has been probably next i think it's been hot and cold to be honest with it you has. but when it's hot it is hot yeah. where was it we couldn't it was that Kings Barnes hold a lot of really good putts. But then, when was it the day you get in? I can't miss. Was it Burtdale? Yeah. You, put, you had a few good putts. Yeah, was like, yeah. I don't think I can miss this, and you rolled yeah. it quite well. So I think you've had some other days at Celtic Manor where you miss loads. Everything. Like stupidly short ones. You were loads just missing of three and, putts and all sorts. Was that with the old even roll as well, though? Yeah, I went back to the even roll. I think that, I think that new Odyssey's been, well, the old Odyssey that you now got new in the bag has been a good change. So you, you, your putting's been hot and cold. 
Um, your, your your pitching's been pretty poor, which obviously you know about, and you're chipping. Yeah. And what you've started to do now, which obviously is is it good in some ways, is you're doing a lot more putting off the green. Yeah. And it's therefore made your bad putt still okay. You know, you're not going to words you might fat a chip or skull it through the green. You're not going to hit that bad of a putt. However, I do think it has still cost you. I, I think it's massively cost me this this series because you might be on like certainly linked course. We're, we're putting is a bit more. I mean, you did all, obviously the eight team at St Andrews. You put it off the green and put it well close. That was ridiculous. <laughs> but there's a lot of times when that's not the shot. Yeah. Even if you put it within ten foot, you kind of think, well, at least didn't thin it through the green. But then you're going to hold a ten footer. Sometimes yeah. you will. Sometimes yeah. you won't. You've got a little bit more confidence on your chips and, and get it within six foot, five foot more off. And I do think you'd end up shooting yeah. better scores. That's no, something that you need to address. But you, you've kind of tried it's just yeah confidence, I, th- I think there's it? a couple of things that i'm surprised i've not changed my wedges yet mm-hmm. if i'm honest i don't know why i've not done that yet I'm probably not settled on wedges that i really really want to move into so i want to change my lofting i want to go to a 50 degree of 54 and a 58 i probably want to go slightly wider sold wedges to give me a bit more support underneath the ball and then like you said like remember when we before we played at burtdale we went on that mega chipping green yes that was awesome that chipping green some of the shots weren't great, but some of the shots I played were just outrageously good. Because the, you were trying something a bit different, with you you're kind of opening your body up a bit more, but there was no consequence. No. You could, if you thinned one, thin it. Yeah, you, exactly. you, it so there was that one shot you hit, which I know we can't really explain properly, but it was a ridiculous golf shot. It was confidence. Yeah, it was. And then you can, if I can build on that. So I, if, if there was any part of my game, and I would agree exactly what you've described it there, I would, I would almost rank it almost exactly the same. For me... If I could put more effort, guidance, work, if I could become unbelievable from a hundred yards and in, I could be my scores could come a lot lower. Yeah. I honestly believe that. I think what also is weird with your game is you're very much a confidence player. Huge confidence player. You used to off par birdie par. You you're not doing much worse than a seventy five. Yeah, I feel like because it's yeah. in your head. You've got a nice little start going. But also, what's mad is like if we went to the golf. I mean, jokes aside, you do beat me most times you play, but. We have a few rounds, it's pretty close, whatever. If we went out and played now, I feel like your bad round could be bad. But you've also got an under... You have got... You can go quite under par if, you, if everything's going well. Mm. So that's why we're going to come to handicap in a minute. It's interesting what you've been given. Yes. But I do think if you can get a little bit more confidence or may, maybe not have more confidence after a bad start. Yeah. I also sometimes think of it a few times, you might get to hole 14 and get a bit carried away. And it sometimes goes to pot a little bit. But overall, I think you've played some good golf. I think one thing that I'm I'm never scared about, when I'm having a good round going, I actually never think I'm going to have a bad round, but I try and push too much to have a great mm, round. Yes. Like, so many times I was, like, level par around the 14th. And instead of maybe still being patient, it's then when I go, right, let's see if I can make some birdies. Yeah. And I try and push on the accelerator, which is, is actually quite a nice feeling because I must have confidence in my game yeah. if I feel like I can do that. But maybe my confidence and my ability don't quite match up yet because as much as I want to push on the accelerator, sometimes I just can't force those birdies when I need them. Yeah. Um, it'd, be, I'd be, it'd be an amazing position. And, and I've done this a few times, going back years ago when I, when I used to do Quest for the Open. If I can get under par, I was never scared of going more under par. Like, I felt like I could push. If I had a good round together, I never felt like I was going to suddenly make a double or a triple to ruin that scorecard, yeah. which is mad. I feel like if you remember at my golf club, right, and it was a club championships, and you went out at 10 o'clock in the morning, I was at 11. When I came in, 
I would think you could have either had a 82 yeah. or a 69. Yeah. I think that's, that's where, it. That's where your golf's at, which, to be fair, is, is quite good because 69s, you need to be winning tournaments. There's no yeah. point going out shooting 75 because that's not going to win. I would, would I swap it though for being that player who pretty much always shoots one or two over par or, or whatever it may be, four over par, let's say? I don't think you would. Because those type of golfers aren't always that good to watch. They just kind of get it round, which yeah. is is it, it is good to know that you're going to go to a golf course and not shoot a horrendous score. But is it? Would it be fun for you? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I feel like if I can, if certainly from that hundred yards and in, because like I say, I'm decent off the tee. If I could nail that those wedgie shots and give myself four or five proper better opportunities for birdie, because sometimes I'm I'm hitting wedge shots to twenty feet. And they're not they're not going to drop all the time, no. are they? Ever. Where if I was sticking them into less than ten feet and rolling a few more of those in, That's... if I had that bad start, I could probably think, well, it's all right. I'm probably going to make five birdies this round of golf. Mm. Where I have to get off to a good start to think I'm going to make five birdies in a round of golf. Okay, then. So before we get into handicap, you've obviously played a lot of golf, and you've learned about your game. Is there anything that you think from playing more golf, obviously as a golf coach as well, that stood out that you would say to listeners that's going to help them play better golf when they've got a scorecard in the hand? Or is it just down to each individual? Is there anything you've taken away from this 12 weeks where you think, you know what, from not playing so much, I almost forgot that. I forgot that feeling. But from playing again, I've remembered X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Go on. Managing emotions. And, and being much more in-game mode when you're playing golf. Like I don't feel, I feel like now because of the the evolution of driving ranges and launch monitors and home launch mm-hmm. monitors that people have, sometimes they'll try and take that way of playing golf, yeah, which is not real. It's an artificial way of playing golf, and trying to implement it out on a golf course, and that's not golf. Golf is played on a golf course where the conditions are different every single day. The shots that you've got to try and hit are different every yeah. day. As you mentioned before, there's consequences. Some holes, there's trouble down the right, there's trouble down the left, there's water to carry. It's interwind, downwind, you're on a hill. Like all of those things, as golfers, I think now in the in the new world of practice, is getting overlooked. Mm-hmm. Like I would much more if I was now proper, proper playing now on a you know, if I suddenly now I said, right, I'm going to to stop all this YouTube podcast and everything else. I'm going to play all the time. I would be out on the golf course a lot more than I would be just shelling golf balls. I feel like that it's not, it's not real. Like, and that's something I've really recognized because a lot in this time, and I was was chatting to Matt about it yesterday when we were doing some filming. I've not spent loads of time beating balls in this 12 week period. I've spent a bit more time on the golf courses or whatever it may be. That that's how I feel like you get better at golf. Yeah. Being out on a golf course and playing golf and different lies and different situations. And what, another thing that's absolutely Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. 
Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com crazy if we look at this 12-week window that we've been playing loads of golf and that's three months how much the weather conditions have changed yeah from like early in the season when it was cold it was wet it was damp the, the first one at St. Anzo Links was first horrendous. one at Marriott oh, yeah, sorry, second yeah. one at, but like the weather compared to now like at Birkdale last week where the ball is bounding yeah. and bouncing down the fairways till you know as long as you're hitting it straight it's like a runway yeah like those conditions the tv's just gone off those conditions are so different aren't they compared to you know like say march and i think that's something as as golfers again we might overlook a little bit too much yeah no that's good you know what i only obviously played three of the courses but i was lucky that they were great courses i played obviously uh presbury really good course i've never played before JCB, which destroyed me, and then obviously Burtdale. Did play St Andrews, but obviously that wasn't yeah. kind of one of them as such. What opened my eyes is, obviously now with Handicap Index, it, you, your handicap changes on different golf courses, which is, is good because it means you can kind of have a more of a realistic target or goal, whatever you want to shoot. But what really opened my eyes is that your handicap, typically for most people, is based around one golf course where you know what club to hit, you know what way the wind typically goes, you know the breaks, the greens, you know where the misses are, not yeah. to miss. From playing different golf courses, which I've not been doing as much until recently, you have to just change your expectations. So for me, again, handicap isn't official anymore. It has lapsed, but it was four. I'm not really playing to four because I'm not playing enough golf. But also what I did, which I think helped me, certainly at Birkdale and at um, St Andrews, was... Don't almost forget that that's your handicap and, and give yourself another another handicap. And so I, I kind of thought, well, I want to try and break nine over. That, yep. If I can do that, or in, in the 70s, I'm going to be well happy. And by having that little bit of a different expectation, it definitely helped me enjoy the game more because obviously you want to go and enjoy it, but you know, you're know you fortunate in that. I don't think we paid, paid for any green fees at these golf courses, did we? No. For most people, if you're going and play another <laughs> golf course, you're paying a green fee. So there comes a balance if you want to go and enjoy it, but you also want to play well. But if, if you go to a, a birthday, let's just say, and you pay £200, £250, whatever it is for a green fee, and you go double bogey, double bogey, like I did, it could be quite easy to go, oh my, why have I bothered with this? Yeah. But you have to just almost 
give yourself a different goal, whether it might be right, okay, well, that's done. Next 16 holes, I'm going to play to my handicap yeah. or whatever it might be. Or, I'm going to try and make three pars in this round of golf exactly. or whatever it may be. And that's one thing we did at St Andrews again. That wasn't a 75, but it, it kind of felt like it was a bit because we kept our score and stuff. But I had, I think I had seven bogeys in a row, but the weather was that bad. I literally thought, well, bogeys are pars today. Your, your, your objective became... Not making a double. Yeah, exactly. Not make a double and almost see pars as birdies. And in yeah. the end, I think, well, they had nine over, which was quite it happy It was really with. good. You played so well and, all around there. And that was not the big uh, one. That was, I had, I had nine over, 81. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and that, I'm not the people necessarily want my advice. That was the only thing I would say. If you are paying to go to other golf courses, just have a different expectation. Yeah. Look at what your handicap should be, your handicap index, and that might change. But also, give yourself a bit of a three or four shot leeway. We've also got an apology to make, Rick. I'm going to let you just... Um, ponder for a minute of what this might be to josh no no not to josh <laughs> <laughs> just scrap that out no keep that in no no it is i don't so obviously the the previous podcast we had was sponsored by motocaddy and we had the Rick section yes one of them was from a guy i don't know if he was anonymous oh, or yeah. not but i'm going to say it now his name is ethan o'neill and if you listen to the podcast all the time if you're in the clubhouse you'll know this email it was about a young lad who is very fortunate that his granddad is a member at Royal Birkdale. Yeah, I bet people would remember that now yes. you've said it. And he was having a bit of a, I don't say moan or whinge, it was neither of those. It was just a bit of a, he was asking our opinion on the fact that he's been playing golf for 18 months, plays his mates at his local track and kind of plays okay, goes to Birkdale with his granddad, who even pays for him to play, and he plays that bad, he's starting to not enjoy it. And we said at the time, how can how like, can you not enjoy? How it? can that even be a thing? Yeah, we said you need to make sure that you're enjoying. Because he said here he plays at local golf course in Liverpool and shoots about eighty three. So yeah. he's, he's happy with that. At Birkdale, it's a hundred plus. It is, and, and we we can see that now. Hundred percent. And we were saying to him, well, forget that. You know, you're playing Birkdale for free. Enjoy it, embrace it. Forget what you score. After I think it was three holes at Birkdale, I turned to you and said, Do you "Remember that email?" And you went, "Yeah." I said, "I think I changed my um, advice now because." It's very, very, very hard. Very and hard. And if you went as a one-off with a friend and you paid that top green fee, you might just treat it as an experience that, look, I'm playing an open course, I'm going to enjoy it no matter what I shoot, and that's a good mindset. But if you are fortunate like Ethan and you're playing it quite often, I can honestly understand now why that golf course would start to just destroy you because it, the novelty would wear off Yeah, and it's absolutely solid. And and it's one of those courses that, if he shoots an 83 around his local course in Liverpool and it might be quite open mm-hmm. and he might hit it a long way and smash it out there or whatever and, and kind of get away with it because the rough isn't that bad or there's not that tree lined and, and he enjoys that golf. That's great golf. You cannot, and we mean this as you probably saw from the video, you cannot hit it five yards off line no. at Robert Dale. Your golf ball <laughs> is lost. Even on par threes. It's ridiculous, the was, rough. Was it hole 14? I went that line, I ended up getting up oh, and yeah, down, which is really yeah. happy. But I think I even might have hit the side of the green and bounced off. And it was like knee-high rough, where yeah. you're either not finding your ball, or if you do find it, it's horrendously tough. And you might get up and down occasionally, but more often than not, you're getting destroyed. Well, we walk around with Harry and Matt, our camera guys, and they're off. What are you off now, Matt? 12? They said they couldn't wouldn't be able to play this golf course because it is it's like it's not a golf course that you can literally play because just the rough and anything offline as we mentioned it's like being out of bounds yeah the only again i know he's running analogies a lot and it's a bit silly but like i've got a 5k pb on a treadmill right which flat and you just do the speed that it's doing and you just as long as you don't fall off you can do a certain time 
you can't do that and expect to do the same 5k time running up a mountain. Yeah. You wouldn't do, obviously, would no. you? And that's like with golf. If you that's shoot good, 83 good at your home track, which is quite easy, or you, you know, and then you're to Birkdale, you're not going to You have to see it as a different game almost. It almost doesn't matter what the course slope measurement is or anything because it, it wouldn't allow you for that many shots. Yeah. It'd have to be 20 shots. Because yeah. certainly if you play that type of game that I'm talking about, and you smash it a long way and kind of find it somewhere else. You wouldn't do that at Birkdale. It almost gives me a much deeper... I think that's another thing that I really want to highlight. I think playing this much more golf and trying to record these scores and playing at these fantastic golf courses and sometimes playing off a much longer tee, for me, I think this year has been a big development of a greater appreciation to tour players. 100%. Like an outrageously deeper um, like praise and acknowledgement of how unbelievable tour players are and then you've even got that level above the like the top 50 in the world it is madness like most golf courses you have either a junior or a somebody who's off like scratch who might win the club championship every year who has the odd score under par who compared to most golfers is unreal and that's good you know very very good standard then you have like the plus five guy the plus four guy who might represent england occasionally and have won a few like local amateur things or whatever it might be which completely another level literally five shots per round better then you've got people like Min Woo Lee who would be off about plus eight I think in between that you've even got your, your, your wannabe kind of journeymen yeah who are pros but play on like the local PGA stuff like yeah. Nero's who, who are fantastic golfers like I know so many of them that are really really good golfers regular shoot under par around local tracks around here yeah, yeah. and probably someone like a Pete Finch is kind of trying to get into that kind of world at the moment like, that's not even close to what we experienced playing with James Robinson. And James is a, and he, I'm sure he doesn't mind us saying this, a, a failed tour yeah. pro. He wasn't good enough. Then you've got tour pros. Well, this leads <laughs> us, it's mad. This leads us very nicely onto the handicap bit because this is where I think, even for us, some of the confusion comes from because a scratch golfer is a zero handicap. So they get no shots on the golf course. So whatever they shoot, they're gross and the net are the same score. When you turn pro, whether it be a PGA pro or obviously a playing professional, you then have no handicap. So you receive no shots off the golf course or anything like that. So therefore, it could be quite you know, a simple mistake to think that a scratch golfer, a zero handicap golfer and a pro are the same. And obviously they're not. You can also, as again, some people may or may not know, but to do a, you know, be, become a PJ professional like you are, you can turn pro for four handicap. I think that's the same in the US. I'm not sure, but in the UK it it's a four handicap, and that means that then you become a qualified PJ professional, where you can go out and you can become a golf coach, you can become a fitter, you can have a business like a pro shop or a golf business, whatever, whatever that might be. But you could ultimately be a four handicap golf, which is still a very very good level of golf, but it's not even a scratch handicap. And then, obviously, as we said, the guys on tour don't have handicaps. Some actually, I think, do now kind of unofficially at the home courses where they're off, like, plus nine or whatever. But typically, don't know what their handicap is. So you don't have a handicap as it stands. But let's talk about a bit more about this. this you don't want to say where this came from. Introduce it a little bit. So after all the break 75s we've done so far, I've put my scores into England golf, mm-hmm. and I now have been assigned a handicap. And it's really surprised me. Okay. So a bit of a backstory. When I was a junior golfer, I got down to single figures. Probably at 16 or so, I was off single figures when I went to college. 
as I turned probably to about 18, I probably was off about four or five handicap and I needed to work quite hard. At, at 19, I turned professional. I did my PGA qualifications at 19 and as mentioned, to become a PGA pro, you have to be off four or less. I got my lowest amateur handicap down to three. Can you remember the exact handicap? 3.4, like <laughs> just in three, yeah. right? I then turned professional. And when you turn professional, you have zero handicap. So I became a zero handicap player. I never really felt like I was a zero handicap player. Like I never, I wasn't a golfer that could shoot regularly under par. Very rare would I do that. When I played in tournaments, when I became a PGA pro, I shot four or five over par. That was my golf. And that was quite, you're happy with that? That was what I expected. Weirdly, my mindset changed thinking I should overnight now start shooting level par, even ah. though that's not, that, like overnight, as soon as I turned pro, I thought, oh, I've turned pro now. That must now unlock the key <laughs> to get me into level par golf or under par golf. Mm-hmm. Not true. So from 19 to current date now, <clears throat> over that time period, I've not had a handicap. So that's been thir- um, 15 years of no, I've been a golf professional for 15 years now. Oh, that's scary. It's a long time. In that 15 years, I've played in some competitions. I've, um, done okay-ish, not really competed in a massive amount of level. So right now, before, at the start of this year, we did a video talking about what my handicap would be roughly. In my head, from the golf that I play, I honestly believed I'm a two to three handicapper. Mm -hmm. And that's where the premise of Break 75 came from. We thought if I can make a video where I can go around the golf course, and if I can break 75, which is typically on a par 72, it's three over par, I can break 75 and play into my handicap. You need to be shooting two over par then to two do Two over par. Yeah. That's where the whole idea came from. And the big idea with break 75 was to almost let people know that I'm not going to shoot under par all the time. I'm not a tall player. Somewhere around the 70s, I'm happy with. Do you think the PJ in your name, people think of PJ Tour and therefore like an elite, elite golfer? 100%. Yeah, there's a definite misconception there. I know I'm good enough to play. I turned professional as a PJ Pro to coach and to make people play better. Had the skill, the ability. I could demonstrate shots if I needed to. Um, I played a little bit, but again, that wasn't why I turned professional. I turned professional, so it gave me the license so I could coach, charge money, earn money, make a living. Just a quick one then. So when you did turn pro and your handicap just kind of vanished, but it was really like it was three. When you then played like a scratch golfer, did you feel like you were the same as him or do you still think they were kind of a bit better? I never I never wanted to receive shots off a scratch handicapper, but in reality, I never probably won. <laughs> so you should have done really. Yeah. But, yeah. Because, because what do I then say I am? Because again, when, as soon as you turn pro and you lose your handicap, there's no way of monitoring it. Like Until now this year yeah. with the world handicap system, there was no way of me putting an accurate measurement on this unless I literally tracked every single score I had in that 15 year period and, and almost did it myself. And do you think four handicap is the right handicap to turn pro off? Or do you think it should be lower or higher? Or is it about right? I think I think four's good. Mm-hmm. If you're off scratch, you don't have to do a playing ability test. Ah. Scratch or better, you don't have to do a playing ability test. From one, two, three, or four, you have to do, do a playing ability test, which isn't ridiculously hard. It's two rounds of golf, and you've got to shoot under 15 over. So okay. seven over each round basically gets you in. Sounds easy on paper, but I bet if people are nervous Very and you nervous. get one eighty-two in there, yeah. you're suddenly thinking it's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's it's kind of 
it, it just showed there's a level of skill there. And again, as we mentioned, the PGA is a, is a pathway into so many different jobs. Yeah. Like doing the PGA qualification here in the UK and the US PGA in the USA, it allows you to be, a like you mentioned, a, a club fitter, a professional golfer, a um, head pro at a golf club, a director of golf, yeah. whatever it may be. So you don't have to be scratch or better. You just have to have an awareness. So before this series, I thought I was off three. So because I've been recording all my scores for the last 11 rounds... I'm going to put a little caveat on this because I've actually only been able to use 10 of the rounds. The JCB round that I had, which is weirdly my highest score, <laughs> convenient, didn't count because the JCB isn't affiliated with England Golf, so it, it, you can't get a handicap there. There's no slope rating and stuff no. like that. So because it's a corporate membership facility, okay, so they don't, they don't have memberships there. So I submitted all my scores. And I'm just going to run through them very quickly so people can listen in. We'll just fire them on screen. Worsley Park was the first one that I did, 77, 5 over. St. Anne's Old Links was next one, 82, 12 over. Next one I did was Mia, 70, 1 under par. Next one I did was Presbury, 73, 2 over par. Next one I did was Celtic Manor, 77, 5 over par. Stockport, 73, 2 over par. Hillside, 76, 4 it's four over that's not 76 i actually shot 77 i wonder if the triple bogey turns into it will do yeah it does that's what it does yeah i just looked at that and so hillside i've got on this app now i'm on on england golf app it's down as a 76 but i actually shot 77 yeah that's why triple bogeys don't net it's net double bogey is it the worst you can have so the seven turned into a six so that was four over uh king's barnes i shot 72 level par Old Course and Andrew shot 73, one over par. And Royal Burtdale shot 77, five over par. So you now have a handicap after all those rounds. In my head, after watching and you watching all my golf yeah. and me playing, after all the rounds of golf, what would you say my handicap is? Well, I don't know is? what yours is. You've not shown no, me. No, I've so not shown you what my handicap is. I would honestly say between two and four. So I'd go, I'd go two. You're a long way off. And that surprised me. Higher or lower? A lot lower. My handicap, my my handicap now, after those 10 rounds of golf, drum roll please, is plus 1.2. Oh I, am, I am a plus handicapper. Let me explain. So with the what? new world handicap system, all the things like slope rating, course index, everything else has been factored into these measurements. Right. So even though, let's say I had a 73 around St. Andrew's old course, because of the difficulty of the golf course, that actually played as a plus 1.8, ah. almost two under par gross. So for example, this is really interesting. When I had my 70 yeah. around Mia, so one under one par, under. Because of the difficulty level of the golf course, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, it actually came out as two point four under par. So you're one under gross was essentially two and a half under gross. Ah. Now this is where it's interesting. Even though I had some bad rounds, I had this eighty two at St. Anne's Old Links and I had a couple of high seventies. The way that the new handicap system works with my ten handicaps, the three best scores count. Okay. And it's an average from those best three. So you've got Mia. 70 at Mia, which played 2.4 under par. I had a 72 at King's Barnes, which played a 1.1 under par. 
Right. And I had a 73 at the old course, which plays 0.1 under par. So plus, plus, yeah. So they've taken those scores into consideration. They've taken average of those three, and the average of those three is 1.2 handicap. Plus 1.2 Plus 1.2 You know handicap. what's mad? As, as shocked as I am, I always, a bit of a cliche, but I think it is true. People always say you should play to your handicap when you're playing well. I have, I've always said a handicap is a snapshot of you on a good day. And that's, to be fair, you are, according, certainly now we know about the actual, how the, essentially the par changes as well. Yeah. You are on a good day, about between level and one under. I'm not going shooting five under par, so I'm not off plus five. I can squeeze a one under par in every now and again, as we've seen. So that's kind of that's me on a good day. And what would you say was your worst score? How many over? The worst score on the on the system because the JCB one didn't count was twelve over at St Anne's Old Links. So do you think that might give listeners some faith that if a plus one handicap golfer can shoot twelve over on a bad day? What would an 18 handicap shoot on a bad day? This is really interesting, something I've just seen. That 12 over par at St. Anzold Links, because of the conditions, everything else, the measurements of the day, it actually came out as only 4.8 over par. Oh, my dear. So they have the condition on the day on there yeah, as well. Yeah, so they've got history of, of like competitions that have taken place that day or other scores that have taken place that day. Oh, my word. That's so mad. even though I was 12 over gross, and we saw the conditions, it was horrendous. It was. It was. Also, sorry, very quick one. Um, my, some of my scores around were quite big at St. Anne's Old Links. So they got knocked down They again. would be knocked down a little bit as well. How does it feel to be a plus one handicap golfer? It's pretty nice. Bit of flex. I, I, like I say, after looking at the evidence... I can't argue with it because that's kind of what I'm saying. It does make sense. It, it's it's me on a good day. And every now and again, I can shoot a one on the par. What it's made me consider is if I'm a plus 1.2 handicapper, okay, or I'm, I'm a less than scratch handicapper, honestly now, if you did handicap measurements of the best players in the world, a Dustin Johnson, around the golf courses that he plays at in those conditions... What is someone like Dustin Johnson's handicap? Literally, plus 12, plus 13. Because they can shoot 10 under par. And on a solid course, 7,500 yards. So that, massive that rough. 10 under par could easily turn into a 13 under par because of the conditions. And again, if it's a snapshot of you on a good day, an average of your best yeah. rounds, I honestly believe, and this is why we see tour players at their local golf courses having plus nine handicaps, etc., it just shows the levels. And if anybody for one second is thinking that, oh, Rick, you're not that good, I'm just going to put this into perspective. If I'm off plus 1.2, okay, and someone like a DJ is off plus 10, yeah. if we played four rounds of golf, he would be 40 shots minimum better than me. Different. It's a different, it's literally a different world and a different game. And although we talk about tour pros a lot and how good they are, it still doesn't sink in that yeah. if you are off plus one, he's going to be, like you said, 35 to 40 shots better than you over a four-day tournament. So if we saw a leaderboard and he was 10 under par, I'd be 30 plus over par. That sounds about right. <laughs> How mad is that? It, it is ridiculous. But I, th- I think what I like from that is that it just shows that even, again, plus one handicapper, you're going to have good days, which you've got on there, out, out of that 10 or 11, whatever. You're going to have some shocks as well. So just, you know, if you're an 18 handicap listening, a 10 handicap, a 30 handicap, whatever it might be, your handicap is on a good day. And you are going to have some days, unfortunately, we all are, where you're miles over your handicap. But it happens, doesn't it? So now, next season, 
next series, I think we go break 69. <laughs> Carried away. <laughs> but what you need to then do, in theory, if you want to do it that, would actually be find out what the course power was on the day. Yeah. you say it changes then. Yeah. So when you're trying to break 75, it might actually end up being break 78 that yes. day because of the difficulty and the conditions, but that's not good for the title, no, is it? Exactly. We could still call it break 75. I'm expecting big things from you now. This and also, it's that moment when I turn pro and I think I unlocked a key that made me better. Suddenly, because I'm a plus one handicapper now, I feel like it's going to unlock the key to make me suddenly better at chipping and pitching. I, I, I can't wait for you to shoot 85 next time we play golf. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I feel like we dived into yeah. a lot of information there. Uh, the final break 75 is coming next Friday and it's either one of two options, a very special venue or redemption episode. We'll find out next Friday. A couple of quick things um, about the podcast. Next yes. week, when it comes back on Tuesday, so normal Tuesday slot, we might be having a little bit of freshen up, might have a few little changes here and there. Obviously, it's been 18 months now since we started. This is going to be this is episode 80, so next week will be 81. Nice. So we want some more emails because if you remember when we had Tubes and Ange on last week, we said we were going to start some new features. We were going to have stupid golf rules. We've had quite a lot of good ones sent in. But if you've got an experience of either a golf rule on the golf course where whatever it might be, you're in a divot or something, or, or ideally things where you've gone to a golf club and they've said, you've got to take those socks off. You've got to do, you know, the stupid, annoying rules that just don't make sense. Yeah. One that always gets me is you can't change your shoes in the car park. Yeah. We said that last time, but stuff like that. Emails those in. Um, if you've got a nightmare golf story, a dear Rick, all that kind of good stuff, email us, simple email, podcast at rickshield.com. Still get a lot of people asking us what the email is. It's literally podcast at rickshield.com. And then last, last thing, although we were slagging off Apple before royally, saying how annoying Apple is, it's always nice to get some Apple um, feedback and, and five-star reviews. So I've not asked for ages, not been that bothered. But if you've enjoyed the podcast so far and you want to give us some feedback, we love emails, but we also love seeing those reviews on Apple. So if you use Apple, give us five stars um, and join the clubhouse. We've basically been slipping down the ranking of the USA and yeah. we want to get back up into we've top stopped, three at yeah, least. Yeah, we've stopped asking for reviews. Reviews always help. And if you're not sure what the clubhouse is, most people are. You're in the clubhouse when, Rick? How do you, how do you enter the clubhouse, this mystical clubhouse? Uh, you send a um, blank check yes. to our shields yes. at... <laughs> um, you listen to every single episode. Exactly. And that's that's it. Yeah, you're yeah. When you're in, you're in. And we, then might, you, we might do some clubhouse merch. I think we are. I think we should. And then also, don't forget, if, I you're, I think we should. <laughs> if you're in the clubhouse and you see Rick out and about, Rick clashes a friend. And certainly when we've got the merch out, if you see Rick out and about on a golf course or whatever it might be, and you've got your merch with you, he will buy you a soft beverage of your choice. Yeah. Alcoholic <laughs> or non-alcoholic. Oh, okay. See what happens. So okay. see Rick have a quadruple vodka and coke. I paid £5 for this hat. The hat's not going to be £5. £5 million pound for this hat. <laughs> I paid... £35 for this hat, I want a bottle of champagne. Yeah, do it. That's not legal tender. Guys, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. That was a nice little deep dive, a little a little bonus episode. A little nugget. A little nugget. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed the vibes. <laughs> and we'll see you next week at the Rick Shields Golf Show podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.